Our goal that sent me to sleep is to help the world get a good night's rest. Everyone deserves that. So if you're enjoying the show, please make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. And if you have a moment, review the show on Apple Podcasts. All of this helps the show reach new listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading Book 4 of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Book 4 Number 1 That inward mistress part of man, if it be in its own true natural temper, is towards all worldly chances and events, ever so disposed and affected, that it will easily turn and apply itself to that which may be, and is within its own power to compass, when that cannot be wit at first it intended. For it never doth absolutely addict and apply itself to any one object, but whatsoever it is that it doth now intend and prosecute, it doth prosecute it with exception and reservation, so that whatsoever it is that falls out contrary to its first intentions, even that afterwards it makes its proper object. Even as the fire, when it prevails upon those things that are in its way, by which things indeed a little fire would have been quenched, but a great fire, doth soon turn to its own nature, and so consume whatsoever comes in his way. Yea, by those very things it is made greater and greater. Number two. Let nothing be done rashly and at random, but all things according to the most exact and perfect rules of art. Number three. They seek for themselves private retiring places, as country villages, the seashore, mountains. Yea, thou thyself art wont to long much after such places. But all this thou must know proceeds from simplicity 
in the highest degree. At what time soever thou wilt, it is in thy power to retire into thyself, and to be at rest and free from all business. A man cannot any whither retire better than to his own soul. He especially who is beforehand provided of such things within, which whensoever he doth withdraw himself to look in, may presently afford unto him perfect ease and tranquillity. By tranquillity I understand a decent orderly disposition and carriage, free from all confusion and tumultuousness. Afford then thyself this retiring continually, and thereby refresh and renew thyself. Let these precepts be brief and fundamental, which as soon as thou dost call them to mind, may suffice thee to purge thy soul thoroughly, and to send thee away well pleased with those whatsoever they be, which now again after this short withdrawing of thy soul into herself, thou dost return unto. For what is it that thou art offended at? Can it be at the wickedness of men, when thou dost call to mind this conclusion, that all reasonable creatures are made one for another, and that it is part of justice to bear with them, and that it is against their wills that they offend, and how many already, who once likewise prosecuted their enmities, suspected, hated, and fiercely contended, are now long ago stretched out and reduced unto ashes. It is time for thee to make an end. As for those things which among the common chances of the world happen unto thee as thy particular lot and portion, canst thou be displeased with any of them when thou dost call that our ordinary dilemma to mind, either a providence or Democritus his atoms, and with it, Whatsoever we brought to prove that the whole world is as it were one city. And as for the body, what canst thou fear, if thou dost consider that thy mind and understanding, when once it hath recollected itself, and knows its own power, hath in this life and breath whether it run smoothly and gently, or whether harshly and rudely, not interest at all, but is altogether indifferent, and whatsoever else thou hast heard and assented unto concerning 
either pain or pleasure. But the care of thine honour and reputation will perchance distract thee. How can that be, if thou dost look back and consider both how quickly all things that are, are forgotten, and what an immense chaos of eternity was before, and will follow after all things, and the vanity of praise, and the inconsistency and variableness of human judgments and opinions, and the narrowness of the place wherein it is limited and circumscribed. For the whole earth is but as one point, and of it, this inhabited part of it, is but a very little part, and of this part, how many in number, and what manner of men are they that will commend thee? What remains then but that thou often put in practice this kind of retiring of thyself to this little part of thyself, and above all things keep thyself from distraction and intend not anything vehemently? but be free and consider all things as a man whose proper object is virtue, as a man whose true nature is to be kind and sociable, as a citizen, as a mortal creature. Among other things which to consider, and look into thou must use to withdraw thyself. Let those two be among the most obvious and at hand. One, that the thing or objects themselves reach not unto the soul, but stand without still and quiet, and that it is from the opinion only which is within that all the tumult and all the trouble doth proceed. The next, that all these things, which now thou seest, shall within a very little while be changed, and be no more, and ever called to mind. How many changes and alterations in the world thou thyself hast already been an eyewitness of in thy time. This world is mere change, and this life, opinion. Number four. If to understand and to be reasonable be common unto all men, then is that reason for which we are termed reasonable common unto all. If reason is general, then is that reason also which prescribeth what is to be done and what not, common unto all. If that, then law. If law, then are we fellow citizens. If so, then are we partners in some one common wheel 
If so, then the world is as it were a city, for which other common weal is it that all men can be said to be members of. From this common city it is that understanding, reason, and law is derived unto us, for from whence else? For as that which in me is earthly, I have from some common earth, and that which is moist from some other element is imparted, as my breath and life hath its proper foundation, and that likewise which is dry and fiery in me, for there is nothing which doth not proceed from something, as also there is nothing that can be reduced unto mere nothing, so also is there some common beginning from whence my understanding hath proceeded. Number 5 As generation is, so also death, a secret of nature's wisdom, a mixture of elements, resolved into the same elements again, a thing surely which no man ought to be ashamed of, in a series of other fatal events and consequences which a rational creature is subject unto, not improper or incongruous, nor contrary to the natural and proper constitution of man himself. Number 6 Such and such things, from such and such causes, must of necessity proceed. He that would not have such things to happen is as he that would have the fig tree grow without any sap or moisture. In sum, remember this, that within a little while both thou and he shall both be dead, and after a little while more, not so much as your names and memories shall be remaining. Number 7. Let opinion be taken away, and no man will think himself wronged. If no man shall think himself wronged, then is there no more any such thing as wrong. That which makes not man himself the worse cannot make his life the worse, neither can it hurt him either inwardly or outwardly. It was expedient in nature that it should be so, and therefore necessary. Number 8 Whatsoever doth happen in the world, doth happen justly, and so if thou dost well take heed, thou shalt find it. I say not only in right order by a series of inevitable consequences, but according to justice and as it were by way of equal distribution, 
according to the true worth of everything. Continue then to take notice of it, as thou hast begun, and whatsoever thou dost, do it not without this proviso, that it be a thing of that nature that a good man, as the word good is properly taken, may do. This observe carefully in every action. Number 9. Conceit no such things as he that wrongeth thee conceiveth, or would have thee to conceive, but look into the matter itself, and see what it is in very truth. Number 10. These two rules thou must have always in readiness. First, do nothing at all, but what reason proceeding from that regal and supreme part shall for the good and benefit of men suggest unto thee. And secondly, if any man that is present shall be able to rectify thee or to turn thee from some erroneous persuasion, that thou be always ready to change thy mind, and this change to proceed, not from any respect of any pleasure or credit thereon depending, but always from some probable apparent ground of justice, or of some public good thereby to be furthered, or from some other such inducement. Number 11. Hath thou reason? I have. Why then makest thou not use of it? For if thy reason do her part, what more canst thou require? Number 12. As a part hitherto thou hast had a particular substance, and now thou shalt vanish away into the common substance of him who first begot thee, or rather thou shalt be resumed again into that original rational substance, out of which all other things have issued and are propagated. Many small pieces of frankincense are sent upon the same altar. One drops first and is consumed, another after, and it comes all to one. Number 13 Within ten days, if so happen, thou shalt be esteemed a god of them who now if thou shalt return to the dogma and to the honouring of reason, will esteem of thee no better than of a mere brute and of an ape. Number 14 Not as though thou hast thousands of years to live, 
death hangs over thee, whilst yet thou livest, whilst thou mayest be good. Number 15 Now much time and leisure doth he gain, who is not curious to know what his neighbour hath said, or hath done, or hath attempted, but only what he doth himself, that it may be just and holy. Or to express it in Agatha's words, not to look about upon the evil conditions of others, but to run on straight in the line, without any loose and extravagant agitation. Number 16 He who is greedy of credit and reputation after his death doth not consider that they themselves by whom he is remembered shall soon after every one of them be dead, and they likewise that succeed those, until at last all memory, which hitherto by the succession of men admiring and soon after dying, hath had its course, be quite extinct. But suppose that both they that shall remember thee, and thy memory with them should be immortal, what is that to thee? I will not say to thee after thou art dead, but even to thee living, what is thy praise? But only for a secret and political consideration, which we will call dispensation. For as for that, that is the gift of nature. Whatsoever is commanded in thee, what might be objected from thence, let that now be whereupon another consideration be admitted as unreasonable. That which is fair and goodly, whatsoever it be, and in what respect soever it be, that it is fair and goodly, it is so of itself, and terminates in itself, not admitting praise as a part or member, that therefore which is praised is not thereby made either better or worse. This I understand even of those things, that are commonly called fair and good, as those which are commended either for the matter itself or for curious workmanship. As for that which is truly good, what can it stand in need of more than either justice or truth, or more than either kindness or modesty? Which of all those either becomes good or fair, because commended or dispraised suffers any damage? Doth the emerald become worse in itself, or more vile if it be not commended?
doth gold, or ivory, or purple? Is there anything that dost thou never so common as a knife, a flower, or a tree? Number 17 If so be that the souls remain after death, say they that will not believe it, how is the air from all eternity able to contain them? How is the earth, say I, ever from that time able to contain the bodies of them that are buried? For as here the change and resolution of dead bodies into another kind of subsistence, whatsoever it be, makes place for another dead body. So the souls after death transferred into the air, after they have conversed there a while, are either by way of transmutation, or transfusion, or configuration, received again into that original, rational substance, from which all others do proceed and so give way to those souls who before coupled and associated unto bodies now begin to subsist single. This upon a supposition that the souls after death do for a while subsist single may be answered. And here, besides the number of bodies, so buried and contained by the earth, we may further consider the number of several beasts eaten by us men and by other creatures. For notwithstanding that such a multitude of them is daily consumed, and as it were buried in the bodies of the eater, yet is the same place and body able to contain them, by reason of their conversion, partly into blood, partly into air and fire. What in these things is the speculation of truth? To divide things into that which is passive and material, and that which is active, and formal. Number 18 Not to wander out of the way, but upon every motion and desire, to perform that which is just, and ever to be careful to attain to the true natural apprehension of every fancy that presents itself. Number 19. Whatsoever is expedient unto thee, O world, is expedient unto me. Nothing can either be unreasonable unto me, or out of date, which unto thee is seasonable. Whatsoever thy season bear, shall ever by me be esteemed as happy fruit and increase.
O nature, from thee are all things, in thee all things subsist, and to thee all tend. Could he say of Athens, thou lovely city of Cesrops, and shalt not thou say of the world, thou lovely city of God? Number 20 They will say commonly, Meddle not with many things, if thou wilt live cheerfully. Certainly there is nothing better than for a man to confine himself to necessary actions, to such and so many only, as reason in a creature that knows itself born for society will command and enjoin. This will not only procure that cheerfulness which from the goodness but that also, which from the paucity of action, doth usually proceed. For since it is so, that most of those things, which we either speak or do, are unnecessary, if a man shall cut themselves off, it must needs follow that he shall thereby gain much leisure and save much trouble, and therefore at every action a man must privately by way of admonition suggest unto himself what? May not this that now I go about be of the number of unnecessary actions? Neither must he use himself to cut off actions only, but thoughts and imaginations also, that are unnecessary, for so will unnecessary consequent actions the better be prevented and cut off. Number 21 Try also how a good man's life, of one who is well pleased with those things whatsoever, which among the common changes and chances of this world fall to his own lot and share, and can live well contented and fully satisfied in the justice of his own proper present action, and in the goodness of his disposition for the future, will agree with thee. Thou hast had experience of that other kind of life. Make now trial of this also. Trouble not thyself any more henceforth. Reduce thyself unto perfect simplicity. Doth any man offend? It is against himself that he doth offend. Why should it trouble thee? Hath anything happened unto thee? It is well, whatsoever it be. It is that which of all the common chances of the world from the very beginning in the series of all other things that have, or shall happen, 
was destinated and appointed unto thee. To comprehend all in a few words, our life is short. We must endeavour to gain the present time with best discretion and justice. Use recreation with sobriety. Number 22 Either this world is a comely peace, because all disposed and governed by certain order, or if it be a mixture, though confused, yet still it is a comely peace. For is it possible that in thee there should be any beauty at all, and that in the whole world there should be nothing but disorder and confusion? And all things in it too, by natural different properties, one from another differenced and distinguished, and yet all through diffused and by natural sympathy, one to another united as they are. Number 23 A black or malign disposition an effeminate disposition, an hard, inexorable disposition, a wild, inhuman disposition, a sheepish disposition, a childish disposition, a blockish, a false, a scurril, a fraudulent, a tyrannical. What then? If he be a stranger in the world, that knowest not the things that are in it, why not be a stranger as well, that wonders that the things that are done in it? Number 24 He is a true fugitive that flies from reason, by which men are sociable. He blind who cannot see with the eyes of his understanding. He poor that stands in need of others, and hath not in himself all things needful for this life. He an apostomy of the world, who by being discontented with those things that happen unto him in the world, doth as it were apostatize and separate himself from common nature's rational administration. For the same nature it is that brings this unto thee, whatsoever it be, that first brought thee unto the world. He raises sedation in the city, who by irrational actions withdraws his own soul from that one and common soul of all rational creatures. Number 25 There is who without so much as a coat, and there is who without so much as a book doth put philosophy in practice. I am half naked, Neither have I bread to eat, 
and yet I depart not from reason, saith one. But I say, I want the food of good teaching and instruction, and yet I depart not from reason. Number 26 What art and profession soever thou hast learned, endeavour to effect it, and comfort thyself in it, and pass the remainder of thy life as one who from his whole heart commits himself and whatsoever belongs unto him, unto the gods, and as for men, carry not thyself either tyrannically or severely towards any. Number 27 Consider in my mind, for example's sake, the times of Vespasian. Thou shalt see but the same things, some marrying, some bringing up children, some sick, some dying, some fighting, some feasting, some merchandising, some tilling, some flattering, some boasting, some suspecting, some undermining, some wishing to die, some fretting and murmuring at their present estate, some wooing, some hoarding, some seeking after magistrates, and some after kingdoms. And is not that their age quite over and ended? Again, consider now the times of Trajan. There likewise thou seest the very self-same things, and that age also is now over and ended. In the like manner consider other periods, both of times and of whole nations, and see how many men, after they had with all their might and main intended and prosecuted some one worldly thing or other, did soon after drop away, and were resolved into the elements but especially thou must call to mind them, whom thou thyself is thy lifetime hast known much distracted about vain things, and in the meantime neglecting to do that, and closely and inseparably, as fully satisfied with it, to adhere unto it which their own proper constitution did require. And here thou must remember that thy carriage in every business must be according to the worth and due proportion of it, for so shalt thou not easily be tired out and vexed if thou shalt not dwell upon small matters longer than is fitting. Number 28 Those words which once were common and ordinary, 
are now become obscure and obsolete, and so the names of men once commonly known and famous are now become in a manner obscure and obsolete names. Camillus, Cesso, Volisius, Leonatus, not long after, Scipio, Cato, then Augustus, then Adrianus, then Antonius Pius. All these in a short time will be out of date, and, as things of other world as it were, become fabulous. And this I say of them, who once shined as the wonders of their age, for as for the rest, no sooner are they expired than with them all their fame and memory. And what is it then that shall always be remembered? All is vanity. What is it that we must bestow our care and diligence upon? Even upon this only, that our minds and wills be just, that our actions be charitable, that our speech be never deceitful, or that our understanding be not subject to error, that our inclination be always set to embrace whatsoever shall happen unto us as necessary, as usual, as ordinary, as flowing from such a beginning and such a foundation from which both thou thyself and all things are. Willingly, therefore, and wholly surrender up thyself unto that fatal consecration, yielding up thyself unto the fates to be disposed of at their pleasure. Number 29 Whatsoever is now present and from day to day hath its existence, all objects of memory, and the minds and memories themselves, incessantly consider all things that are, have their being by change and alteration. Use thyself, therefore, often to meditate upon this, that the nature of the universe delights in nothing more than in altering those things that are, and in making others like unto them, so that we may say that whatsoever is is but as it were the seed of that which shall be. For if thou think that that only is seed, which either the earth or the womb receiveth, thou art very simple. Number 30 Thou art now ready to die, and yet hast thou not attained to that perfect simplicity. Thou art yet subject to many troubles and perturbations, not yet free from all fear and suspicion of external accidents, nor yet either so meek 
strictly disposed towards all men, as thou shouldest, or so affected as one, whose only study and only wisdom is to be just in all his actions. Number 31 Behold and observe what is the state of their rational part, and those that the world doth account wise, see what things they fly and are afraid of, and what things they hunt after. Number 32 In another man's mind and understanding, thy evil cannot subsist nor in any proper temper or distemper of the natural constitution of thy body, which is but as it were the coat or cottage of thy soul. Wherein then, but in that part of thee, wherein the conceit and apprehension of any misery can subsist, let not that part therefore admit any such conceit, and then all is well. Though thy body which is so near it should either be cut or burnt, or suffer any corruption or putrefaction, yet let that part to which it belongs to judge of thee be still at rest, that is, let her judge this, that whatsoever it is, that equally may happen to a wicked man and to a good man, is neither good nor evil. For that which happens equally to him that lives according to nature, and to him that doth not, is neither according to nature nor against it and by consequent, neither good nor bad. Number 33 Ever consider and think upon the world as being but one living substance, and having but one soul, and how all things in the world are terminated into one sensitive power and are done by one general motion, as it were, and deliberation of that one soul, and how all things that are concur in the cause of one another's being, and by what manner of connection and concatenation all things happen. Number 34 what art thou, the better and divine part accepted, but as Epictetus said well, a wretched soul, appointed to carry a carcass up and down? Number 35 To suffer change can be no hurt, as no benefit it is, by change to attain to being. The age and time of the world is as it were a flood and swift current, consisting of the things that are brought to pass in the world. 
for as soon as anything hath appeared and is passed away, another succeeds, and that also will presently be out of sight. Number 36 Whatsoever doth happen in the world is, in the course of nature, as usual and ordinary as a rose in the spring, and fruit in summer. Of the same nature is sickness and death, slander and lying in wait, and whatsoever else ordinarily doth unto fools used to be occasion either of joy or sorrow. That whatsoever it is that comes after doth always very naturally and as it were familiarly follow upon that which was before. For thou must consider the things of the world not as a loose independent number consisting merely of necessary events but as a discreet connection of things, orderly and harmoniously disposed. There is then to be seen in the things of the world, not a bare succession, but an admirable correspondence and affinity. Number 37 let that of Heraclitus never be out of thy mind, that the death of earth is water, and the death of water is air, and the death of air is fire, and so on the contrary. Remember him also who was ignorant whither the way did lead, and how that reason being the thing by which all things in the world are administered, and which men are continually and most inwardly conversant with. Yet is the thing which ordinarily they are most in opposition with, and how those things which daily happen among them cease not daily to be strange unto them, and that we should not either speak or do anything as men in their sleep, by opinion and bare imagination. For then we think we speak and do, and that we must not be as children who follow their father's example, for best reason alleging their bare, as by successive tradition from our forefathers we have received it. Number 38 Even as if any of the gods should tell thee, Thou shalt certainly die tomorrow, or next day, Thou wouldst not, except thou wert extremely base and pusillanimous, Take it for a great benefit, rather to die the next day after than tomorrow. For, alas, what is the difference? So, for the same reason, 
think it no great matter to die rather many years after than the very next day. Number 39 Let it be thy perpetual meditation how many physicians who once looked so grim and so theatrically shrunk their brows upon their patients are dead and gone themselves. How many astrologers, after that in great ostentation they had foretold the death of some others, how many philosophers, after so many elaborate tracts and volumes concerning either mortality or immortality, how many brave captains and commanders, after the death and slaughter of so many, how many kings and tyrants, after they had with such horror and insolency abused their power upon men's lives, as though they themselves had been immortal, how many, that I may so speak, whole cities, both men and towns, Elise, Pompeii, Herculaneum, and other innumerable are dead and gone, run themselves over also, whom thou thyselves, one after another, hast known in thy time to drop away. Such and such a one took care of such and such a one's burial and soon after was buried himself. So one, so another, and all things in a short time. For herein lieth all indeed, ever to look upon all worldly things, as things for their consonance, that are but for a day, and for their worth most vile and contemptible. As, for example, what is man? That which but the other day when he was conceived was vile snivel, and within few days shall be either an emblem carcass or mere ashes. Thus must thou, according to truth and nature, thoroughly consider how man's life is but for a very moment of time, and so depart meek and contented, even as if a ripe olive falling should praise the ground that bare her, and give thanks to the tree that begat her. Number 40 Thou must be like a promontory of the sea, against which thou waves beat continually, yet it both itself stand, and about it are those swelling waves stilled and quieted. Number 41 O oh, wretched I, to whom this mischance is happened, nay, happy I, to whom this thing being happened, I can continue without grief, 
neither wounded by that which is present, nor in fear of that which is to come. For as for this, it might have happened unto any man, but any man having such a thing befallen him could not have continued without grief. Why then should that rather be an unhappiness than this a happiness? But however canst thou, O man, term that unhappiness, which is no mischance to the nature of man, I canst thou think that a mischance to the nature of man, which is not contrary to the end and will of his nature, what then hast thou learned is the will of man's nature? Dost that then which hath happened unto thee, from being just, or magnanimous, or temperate, or wise, or circumspect, or true, or modest, or free, or from anything else of all those things in the present, enjoying and possession? Whereof the nature of man, as then enjoying all that is proper unto her, is fully satisfied. Now to conclude, upon all occasion of sorrow, remember henceforth to make use of this dogma, that whatsoever it is that happened unto thee, is in very deed no such thing of itself as a misfortune, but that to bear is generously, is certainly great happiness. Number 42 It is but an ordinary coarse one, yet it is a good effectual remedy against the fear of death, for a man to consider in his mind the examples of such who greedily and convectiously, as it were, did for a long time enjoy their lives. What have they got more than they whose deaths have been untimely? Are not they themselves dead at the last? As Cadicants, Fabius, Julianus, Lepidus, or any other who in their lifetime having buried many, were at last buried themselves. The whole space of any man's life is but little, and as little as it is, with what troubles, with what manner of disposition, and in the society of how wretched a body must it be passed. Let it be therefore unto thee altogether as a matter of indifferency. For if thou shalt look backwards, behold, what an infinite chaos of time doth present itself unto thee, and as infinite as chaos, if thou shalt look forward. In that which is so infinite, what difference can there be between that which liveth about three days and that which liveth three ages?
Number 43. Let thy course ever be the most compendious way. The most compendious is that which is according to nature, that is, in all both words and deeds, ever to follow that which is most sound and perfect. For such a resolution will free a man from all troubles, strife, dissembling, and ostentation.